The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net, where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon, and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Sherry Dworkin-Smith. One of the most highly regarded psychic mediums in the Orlando area, Sherry is a certified psychic medium using her abilities to connect to your loved ones in spirit. She can bring forward messages, guidance, and proof your deceased loved ones are still with you. As an evidential psychic medium, Sherry's spiritual style is straightforward, honest, and compassionate. She offers intuitive psychic readings and or mediumship readings, grief support, past life regression, oracle cards, tarot cards, and angel card readings, and healing your Akashic Records sessions as well. Sherry is also the creator of the Becoming an Empowered Empath online course, and she offers psychic mediumship development classes as well. Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited and looking forward to our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so delighted to be here. Wonderful. Okay. Well, I would first love to start and talk about all the amazing things that you have been up to these days. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to start. Well, I'm so excited to be moving my uh, learning platform from uh, Thinkific over to a new uh, platform for metaphysical kind of like a hub for metaphysical awareness and learning called SparkSoul. And that's going to be launching in the next couple of weeks. And then also uh, the new mediumship class, uh, beginning mediumship, developing your mediumship is going to be coming out when the new platform launches as well, as well as being part of an upcoming book called Own Your Awesome. So just in addition to all the regular stuff that we're doing with lots of readings, um, there's lots of cool stuff happening as well. Oh, how wonderful. Well, you sound like you've been kept very busy, very busy. busy. Uh, So I definitely cannot move forward without asking you about your mediumship journey. One, I just find it so fascinating to hear about other people's experiences. Um, So I would love to dive into yours if you wouldn't mind telling us how it started for you. No, I'm happy to tell. It's I think it's one of my favorite stories. I, I will tell you, I always had people 
guide spirits, voices around me. All my growing up, I always had voices in my ear. I felt like there were like little people or, or beings on my shoulder all the time. Um, and my parents were thought I was nuts. Um, but I always had, I could always hear. And when I got into college, it just became a little too much. And, and so I, I decided to close the doors on all of that. And you know, you're talking back in the 70s and the 80s where there wasn't, you know, Google and Facebook groups. And, you know, you could go to the library. And, you know, in those days, I would have had to ride my bicycle to the library and look in the card catalog. And the people today don't even know what that is. And I wouldn't even have known what to look up, you know, what words would, you know, metaphysical was not a word I even knew when I was, you know, growing up. But later in my life as an adult, I chose to to open the doors. I was ready to open the doors back to my, to my, my spiritual self. And not long after that, one of my very dear friends passed away. Um, Michael was one of my best friends. We were mommy and me besties when our children were very little together and Michael died. He died very quickly. And he was six weeks from a cancer diagnosis to a funeral. And he came to me and I knew that he had messages for his husband. And it was such an honor for me to be used in the way to help my friends, people I loved so much. And I just kept hearing it in my head. You have to go, you have to do, you have to all these things. And I couldn't shut it off. And so I was so just so touched in my heart to be used in such a way to help heal my friend who was still here and his children, and to give peace to my friend who had moved on. Honestly, right after that became this whole like really Whoopi Goldberg moment um, from that movie Ghost, where like all the spirits came in and everybody was talking all at once. And I went through a couple of days and nights of just no sleep because it was just so loud. And my my Aunt Dora, who, you know, of all my love and memory, um, she is one of my guides on the other side. And she came in and she this tiny woman and she slammed down one of these deli counter take a number things on a on a metal stand and just bam and she slammed it down into the middle of this room in my head and she said take a number she'll get with you when she gets to you and they all took a number and they all left and that was the beginning of learning about setting boundaries but learning about my journey being able to help people in a totally different way. And it's just has been remarkable ever since. What do you think the spirits picked up on or saw after you connected with Michael? What do you think they picked up or saw about you that just drew them to you? Love, compassion. Michael and Paul are amazing people. They're both in spirit now, actually. They adopted children from another country to give them a beautiful and loving home. They adopted children at a time when it wasn't the norm. It wasn't so common. It wasn't so accepted. I operate my life from a place of love. I always have. Uh, I'm a helper by nature. I am somebody who has strong inclusion is one of my character traits. Like if you see somebody who's by themselves, whether I knew them or not, it was drive my parents crazy because I'd be like, hey, come with us. And they're like, we don't even know that person. It's those kind of qualities that spirit hones in on because love is the vibration of the universe. Love is the engine of the universe. And there are a whole lot of mediums and psychics out there that are happy to take your money that are not working from that place. And when spirit finds a trusted resource, they're going to hold on to it and they're going to use it in miraculous ways because they need us good people to be their voice in the physical. So when that happened with Michael, did you 
already know by that point that you were a psychic medium or had those tendencies? I think, I mean, I always knew that I could talk to the spirit people. I always had the angels and the light beings and my stuffed animals would talk and move around when I was little. So I always knew there was something. But I was so reluctant to use that word psychic because when I was growing up, you know, as much as I admired Dionne Warwick as an artist, that was the psychic link that there was available that you would see the 900 numbers. And and so there was this real a different view and different vibe about it. And I never had heard the word medium other than, you know, in clothing. And so I didn't understand what that was until... Like I just thought everything was psychic until I started to to learn the vocabulary and learn, you know, hone the skills. You don't just wake up and say, oh, I'm a medium. I'm going to hang out a shingle and start taking money. You can wake up and realize you're a medium, but you still need training. And so when I started down that path, I started to learn so many more doors that were available to me. Can you describe the difference between a psychic medium and a psychic Oh, absolutely. As a psychic, I'm connecting uh, almost frontwards out of my, my heart and out of my chakras into the energy of the person sitting across from me, whether that's on the phone or video or in actually in my uh, reading room. I'm connecting to your personal energy, what's going on in your life, your aura, your you know questions. It's all about you. But as a medium, I'm connecting my energy almost sideways out around me to connect into the loved ones who are spirit bound now. People who were alive and, and human before, but now are living in the spirit world. So it's all about connecting with people who have passed as a medium. And as a psychic, it's all about connecting with the people who are here. So as a psychic medium, you're doing that together to bring forward information about our loved ones that are in spirit, because the ability to make proof, to create proof that our loved ones are still there that's powerful for people on a grief journey. That's a powerful place of healing. Can you tell us a little bit more about evidential mediumship? Oh, absolutely. Evidential mediumship is a thing to strive for. Any medium can come through and go, oh, I've got your grandmother. She loves you. And, you know, she baked cookies and pinched your cheeks. This is not evidence because everybody's grandmother, you know, maybe not everybody made cookies, but everybody's grandmother loves you, hopefully. Evidence is when somebody comes through and says, my name is on your wrist. And I say to the person across from me, "Is do you have a tattoo on your wrist? Because they say my name is on your wrist. And they say, yes, my name, that person's signature is on the wrist. Person that I've never met before. Uh, I had an instance just the other day where they were showing me visions of of the musical Hamilton on, on Disney. And I had just seen it with my kids. And I was like, well, this is mine. Wait a minute. What is that? And they're like, no, no, Hamilton, Hamilton. And I said to the, to the client, I said, did you see this musical recently? And she said, yes, recently. And I said, wait a minute. It was for your anniversary, right? Your wedding anniversary. And she says, yes. And it's getting bigger in my mind. I said, oh, your anniversary is right now. Wait a minute. Your anniversary is like now. And she says, oh yeah, it's tomorrow. And they had gone to see the musical just a few you know, weeks ago to celebrate the anniversary. So they'll use anything that's in my mind, my memory, my experience to connect the dots. I love tea. I love hot tea. I drink a lot of different kinds of tea. And I have something that's called a tea ball where you put loose tea in it and you put the ball in the hot water. And I had them talk to me one day about tea ball because the woman's child was playing tea ball with a baseball bat. 
so they will literally oh use anything to have like a game of charades to get you to say what they need you to say. That's evidence because I couldn't possibly know that this woman's child was playing t-ball having never met her before. Those are the things that just knock my socks off every single day. Now, I imagine some of that is innate. How much of that was trained? You were able to hone in on that better, create that vocabulary and, and rely on that evidence. Well, I think you say it exactly the right way when you say create that vocabulary, because as an untrained medium, you can say things like, I see what this person looks like. I can get a month of the year or maybe the first name of the person. As a more trained medium, you learn how to listen and how to interpret this this vocabulary to build a vocabulary. I know that pressure in my lungs for a long time meant lung disease, lung cancer could mean a smoker. Now that means COVID. So we learn and we build this vocabulary over time of what are these these feelings in my body, these images in my head, and you learn to expand this vocabulary, but you also learn to move past the nose. When somebody says, oh, no, I don't understand that. I had drawn one day and in one session I drew and I do not draw, but I was doodling in the session because I want them to be able to use whatever abilities I have. And I drew a picture of, of a classic donkey pinata that you might see at a child's birthday. I had no idea what that meant. And the woman kept saying, no, I don't understand this. I don't understand this pinata. There's nothing about a birthday. I don't have any small children. I don't know. I don't know. And as a trained medium, you learn to move past that and say, no, there's still something there. Well, it turned out I had just mentioned pinata and not the shape. And when I finally said, this is a donkey shaped pinata, she had a pet donkey growing up. Now, who would know that? But you learn how to stick with it and how to trust spirit that they're not going to lead you astray. And if you're listening, they will send you in the right direction if you can just be patient and follow the associations. I remember learning that in my trainings as well, that the importance of trusting what comes through, not taking no as a no, right? Because it could come later or some or something like that. So the importance of really trusting spirit. But that's that's I feel like part of the training also is learning to trust. Isn't that more than half the battle, maybe? <laughs> Absolutely. And the more you trust, the deeper you can go and really get into some some really amazing. I mean, some of the you know more famous psychics that you have heard of, you know, they can read license plate numbers and, and you know, tell you things that are just incredibly detailed information. And so the more you can trust, the more they can give you. Um, it really is an incredible thing. But I think as a, a newer psychic it's, or a medium, rather, it's really easy for people to get frustrated and be like, oh, this isn't working. And it's a relationship. You build that relationship with spirit. The more you can trust them, the more they can give you. Well, how does it come to you when, when spirit communicates with you as far as Claire's and those sorts um, of sensations? I think my, my earliest sense was hearing. And so I hear things all the time. But as I've evolved, I have developed all the senses. I have um, things that I feel in my body. And I always will ask them, you know, how did you pass? And I'll often feel that in my body. I had a woman the other day who put a tourniquet on my arm and injected heroin. And my arm went numb. And I literally was like, oh, my God, I'm so stoned. And I was like, okay, I get it. Can you please take that away? And then it went away. And so I can physically feel the things. I can smell things like chocolate or spices or 
uh, tobacco. Um, I hear things, I can feel things. And then there's the vision part where I see things that are like on a, it's not on a screen in my mind. It's not in my mind. It's a little like having a, the, like the screen on the, plane that's kind of above your head and you have to look up to watch your movie in the in-flight movie and so it's a little bit above my head this screen where things will pop up in there like the pinata or apples or hamilton videos where you know these kind of things are on this little external screen again the more open you can be the more they can give you but those different clairs, they take time to develop the smells and the feelings and all of that. And it takes time to, to learn to trust it. And it's, you know, to move past where a lot of people get stuck of, oh, it's just my imagination. Now, when you mentioned the being able to feel your arm get numb, feeling a little bit stoned, uh, it reminded me of um, the Netflix show that Tyler Henry was doing. Um, I don't know if you had heard of it recently, but it's really, really interesting. But he in there, you see more about how doing this work actually really affects him physically. I think like one time he got a collapsed lung. It's just like, especially when he does his mediumship demonstrations in front of a, a audience, it can really take a toll on his healing. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think boundaries are really important. I will confess, I don't watch a lot of the TV show things like this because uh, in another career, uh, and I've had a few, uh, I did work in TV and movie production for a long time. So I have seen behind that curtain, uh, my husband still works in that world. uh, So I know what goes into a live television show and what goes into a recorded television show. So for me as a medium, I tend to stay away from a lot of that stuff. So that's one boundary. Um, But another boundary is being able to open the door when you choose to work and close the door when you're done. And so I have, I am very strong with my boundaries. As an empath, it would be very difficult for me to go out and live my life if I didn't have very clear boundaries. When I sit down in my chair and I say my prayer and I open to spirit, I'm ready to work. I welcome you in. And when that time is done, I close that door. I cut the cords. I put the energy back. I thank them profusely for working with me and I walk away. And when they give me something physical, I ask them, you know, okay, I understand this. I have said what you've asked me to say, please let this go. And actually in the case of the woman with my arm, she didn't let it go because she had more that she wanted to say. And so until I said what she needed to be vocalized, she would not let go of my arm. But you build again that trust, that working relationship that says, if you want me to be your voice in the physical, which I am honored to do, we have to have a working relationship that allows me to still live my life and be a mom and a wife and, you know, go do the things that make, you know, that fill my bucket. Uh, I have hobbies that I enjoy. If I was ill after every reading, I would not be able to do very many. This is what happened to somebody like Edgar Casey, who was ill from his readings and and how much more could he have given had he been able to put a priority on health from his, the amazing work that he did. I think the boundaries are important. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. So you had mentioned uh, seeing like light beings and um, entities when you were younger. You mentioned working with a family member who, the, was it your aunt who put the ticket, yeah, my <laughs> the metal sister, ticket yeah. meter? Uh-oh. Yeah. What other entities do you work closely with from the other side? Oh, I love this question. So 
I actually have a, a son in spirit. My son Matthew's in spirit, and Matthew was not born. Uh, Matthew was a, a pregnancy that was terminated by my choice. Uh, but in reconciling that relationship, he came and we had an amazing communication. As I literally watched his little body lift up out of my out of my my body and hover in front of me, and he spoke to me and said, "I wasn't meant to be here in the physical. I was meant to help you on this journey." And so he is a, a constant companion. My uh, Matthew, I have ha- George. Uh, George is a-, a hand on my shoulder, like literally, like from the Adams family or something, because that's what yeah. he looked like when I was a Bing. child. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. And yeah. so, when I was about five or four, it, this is what I saw, and I'm sure the cartoon was probably in my awareness at that time. Um, and I had named him George, and he's been on my right shoulder for my whole life. We all have guides that come in and go out. We have guides that are with us for our duration. Um, we have family that can choose to be a guide. So my grandmother, sister, my aunt Dora, she's been with me since the minute she passed. She's been, you know, in and out of my house and, and um, has been very helpful to me. I think there, the more we are open, the more guidance we can receive. Uh, I do a lot with, with manatees, saving and uh, educating people and protecting manatees. And so I frequently will get manatee dreams with guidance of manatees. So I, the more open we are, the more that they can, can utilize and communicate with us. But Matthew oh, and George yeah. are probably, and Dora are probably my primary. I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's really great to hear from somebody who's doing this work, who relies heavily on their guides that were that are past family members. Uh, I think that, and I talk a lot too about spirit guides and and you know sort of the the relationship that we have with them. Um, but I think it's also important to acknowledge the past loved ones who can work as guides as well. I think there's again there's boundaries there, and I think you want to be very careful about who you are allowing to guide you. My other grandmother is in spirit and she only had myself and my sister as, as grandchildren and my sister never really had that relationship with her. And so while we were very close, I know she doesn't have a lot of this knowledge, but I know she loves me so much. And so from the other side, I always ask for her to help me in the highest, best way, because I know she has such complete love for me. Other relatives that maybe had more of a challenged relationship, you know, I call on their expertise when it's appropriate, but I feel like you want to use discretion and don't just assume that they're going to be the greatest guide because especially if they're earlier in their incarnation cycles, maybe they haven't been around that many times. Like my Aunt Dora had been around a lot of lifetimes. So she's very wise. And somebody who maybe didn't have so many lifetimes, like I love Michael. I love Michael to the end of my days, but I don't want Michael to be my guide. (laughs) (laughs) How did you create a a communication or relationship with your guides. So if somebody was interested in learning to communicate with their guides or receive signs, uh, what worked, what worked for you or what has worked for you? I think the first thing I tell people is to release assumptions because everybody has this assumption that there's an old Indian person waiting for them or there's like some shaman and people get very hung up on the name of the guide. And so I, the first thing I tell people about creating that relationship with their guides is to really just be open to whatever it is that shows up. I mean, literally a manatee came to me in a dream about a boat sinking and said, you've got to follow me. And I, oh, okay. You know, it was very unexpected. 
expected, but the wisdom that he imparted was really important. And we have worked well together ever since. Uh, so I'd ask people to get still and we do some meditations. There's lots of different meditations where you can meet your guide on a bench, in a field, in a, you know, wherever, but it's the release of expectation of so many people have this preconceived notion of, I know what my guide is going to be. And then we close ourselves off to maybe having a relationship with something very unexpected, but very powerful. So speaking of helping people, guiding them to meet their guides or whoever else on the other side, um, what got you into teaching mediumship to others and development? I think it comes back to the same reason that they came to me. I am one person. I can only see so many people in in a day. And I have to be very careful about my energy and not, you could work nine to five, but you'll burn yourself out. And I've spent 25 years also working as a director with Mary Kay Cosmetics. And one of the things I learned in Mary Kay is about multiplying your ability. So you have other people on your team who know what you know, and they can go out and do what you do. And then everybody benefits. And it isn't about making more money. It's about sharing the information. I can only help so many people. And when you stop and look in just in this time period that we're in right now, over a million people have died in our country alone. That's a whole lot of people that took a number and are waiting for the few integrity, love-based mediums to get to them. I mean, while time is not relevant to them the way we know it as a, you know, now, later, you know, before and after scenario, that's still a long time for them to have to wait. And for me, I feel like it's so important to share what I know with others. At the same time, on this side, we have so many people who are waking up in this energy rising that people are waking up to something more. And they're coming to people like me and they're sitting down and they're saying, wait a minute, I can hear this too. I see this. I understand. How can I do this? And so empowering people to do it for themselves, to connect raises their vibration. The more people who are raising their vibration, the more we're raising the vibration of the planet. This is how we save humanity. Okay. So for me, there were so many reasons why it was so important to share. This is not a gift. It's an ability that I worked to, to hone and to, and to refine. So someone else can learn that too. Will they have necessarily the same level? Don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but Anything that we're doing that raises that vibration and that awareness and that gives those on the other side an avenue to speak is good. I agree with that completely. The importance of being that liaison between spirit and and physical, because if people like us don't do that work, who will? I feel like I'm jumping around just a little bit, but you did catch my attention earlier when you had mentioned TV and everything like that and doing work that way. Uh how did you transition from that to to this? <laughs> oh, I have had many careers. <laughs> so oh, I, had, I had been, uh, when I came out of school, um, I immediately started working in live theater production. Uh, I was a production manager. I was an electrician. Um, at the same time, I was dancing in a ballet company. 
And uh, my husband and I were working in TV production. I had transitioned into TV production and I had been hired by VH1 and MTV and, and the whole Viacom network kind of shared people around. Um, so I had done a lot of work for VH1. Uh, we lived in LA for a long time and uh, I worked on, um, the big thing I worked on was, oh gosh, what was it? It, it was the thing that became Storytellers, um, but it was whatever it was before that. I forget what it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I worked for VH1 for a long time. I worked on the honors, the VH1 honors. And then I joined Mary Kay. Uh, my husband was touring with rock bands and uh, one of us needed like a, a, a job that where we would be home at night to feed cats and, and we wanted to have children. And, and so I took a job at a, a big law firm in downtown LA and I hated it. But one of the lawyers was selling Mary Kay and I loved the products and I joined Mary Kay and I had been in Mary Kay, you know, for 25 years. And I, I never really felt like I needed to leave Mary Kay in order to do this. You know, so I, I kind of balance my time between, you know, between the two. Um, and, and I do other things. I mean, I teach about the manatees and I, uh, and I protect them in out in kayaks in the water and, and protect people uh, for the manatees and, and other things that I do to volunteer um, as well. So having that work-life balance is important because it's those things like helping someone find a new lipstick that lights them up as frivolous as that may sound that fills my cup and you know raises my vibration to come and sit with somebody who has lost a child so tragically and so I think you need that balance but yeah I've had a string of careers (laughs) when you were doing your other jobs would you pick up on spirit? Would you pick up on people? Oh, yeah, that like? bet. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially in those days, I hadn't quite learned the boundaries that I know now. And so I could read people, especially in the entertainment industry, I could read people very quickly. Uh, and I had a very, um, a very short list of, of, you know, who you could trust and who you couldn't trust. And, and especially I worked as a, a, a talent coordinator for a long time. So my job was fancy babysitting around the celebrities to make sure that they had what they needed and they were where they were supposed to be and things like that. And you learn very quickly to put your shields up and your, you know, things around people so that you're not affected by the silliness that is that industry or the people who are taking that silliness as reality. And so you have celebrities with lots of different energies and people with lots of different energies. Uh, so yeah, I felt that that really helped protect me and kept me um, sane and helped me do my job so that you wouldn't get caught up in those energy swirls of the other people and those egos that can be so prevalent there. Did anybody that you work with know that you had this side to you? No, I, I honestly, I don't think so. Um, I think there were a couple of people that were in the production side, a couple of makeup artists, maybe, but even people that I've known for, you know, 25 years, even just a girlfriend of mine, just recently as last year, who's a, a celebrity, we were having dinner and, and, and I told her, um, and I mean, I've been having a business for, you know, a decade already, but I know she's not much on social media because of who she is. She just posts and leaves and and all of that. Um, She doesn't go looking around at stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, I do this. And so it was really interesting that there's still, even now there are still people that I'm kind of have to come out to, um, which is, it's an interesting thing. And it's an interesting thing to watch people who knew me in one aspect of my life kind of migrate over to another aspect of my life. But there's also been those people who said, no, 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 I'm not interested either. Don't talk to me about it or just take other people that have said, take me off your list. I don't want to be connected, you know? So, and that's okay too. Cause that's, 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 they have to do what's right for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's it can be very scary to to put yourself out there and share with people, you know, the work that we do because it's part of who we are. So it feels important to be able to to be able to share that. I have had people tell me I was doing the devil's work or that I was possessed by Satan or, you know, things like that. And I found a lot of comfort in the spiritualist church um, that I that I work with, that they have a whole list of of Bible verses and scriptures that that speak about mediumship and talking to spirits and, and angels and guides. And I think, really? Because it's just all right in there. And I can't imagine for one minute that something like this that brings so much comfort and peace to people who are bereaved is wrong or bad. How is it bad to tell a person who lost their child because another driver cut them off on a motor, you know, and, and they flew off their motorcycle and died. And to know that that boy is still with her and knows exactly what's going on in her world right now that he's with her and all she has to do is talk to him. I can't even imagine the pain of this loss, let alone the magnitude of the comfort that knowing he is still there can bring to her. But if you could bring that, why wouldn't you? And how could that be bad? Such a good point. I'm actually glad you brought this up um, because it's happened to me as well. I'm curious, what advice do you give people who are scared to come out because of those very accusations? I have to say, because it's it saddens me because so many of the folks who would make such accusations lean into the, the you know, hide behind the teachings of Jesus. Um, I'm Jewish, so I don't have that need to lean into that. <laughs> But the thing that I tell people is it's just a conversation. And I have friends who, you know, they, you know, quote, pray for me. And, and what I have said is if you're praying for my highest and best and for my well-being and the well-being of my family, I welcome it wholeheartedly. If you're praying that I'll see the light and find Jesus as my savior or stop doing this work, that's praying for you. That's not praying for me. And for people who are a little nervous about coming out, I say, build your inner circle first. And I really did do that. I brought in my closest friends, people I could count on and people who I knew loved me for me. And I came out to that circle first. And then I grew professionally with people I didn't necessarily know. And I developed a good reputation in the community. Um, And for the people who have said to me, no, 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 that's the devil's work. I had to sit down and really evaluate how important those relationships were in my life to start with. And it interestingly, none of them were very important at all. And so when they fell by the wayside, because I was growing in another direction, it didn't make the difference that you fear that it will. And even my own mom, who I adore, when I first started studying different things, the first thing she said to me was, are you going to put a neon sign in the window? She was really half joking because because in her mind, that's what it was, because that's what she grew up with. She never knew a psychic. People never, you know, she didn't know anybody. But it's funny because she lives in my community. And so she goes out and lives her life and she meets people who know me and people who have sat with me and she hears wonderful things and she has changed her tune. And I am 
very cautious and I teach caution about walking up to somebody and saying, oh, hey, you know, your blah, blah, blah is with you because I feel like that's mental trespassing and I don't have the right to to do that. But with my mom, I'd be able to say, you know, Nana says this and she'd be like, oh, okay. So, so it was a little gentle, a little gentle nudge with my mom, but it just takes time. And I, I tell people who've never sat with somebody like me, it's just a conversation. We're going to talk. And if you feel comfortable, when you feel comfortable, I will share information that's being given to me. And if you want to continue to receive that information, we'll keep talking. And if you don't want to receive that information, then we won't. You know, for me, it's not about the money. If they're unhappy and they want to have the money back, fine, great, go with God. Because I don't want people to have a negative experience. Because if they have a negative experience with a medium or a psychic, that takes all of us down. And then it completely harms the work that we're trying to do with integrity. Oh, I like how you how you set the session up like that with them. We're just going to talk. That made me feel very relaxed (laughs) just now. Uh, And, you know, you brought up some really good points as far as maybe having to really reevaluate the relationships that you have, the people who think that what you're doing is devil work, da, da, da. I mean, are they really bringing value to you in the, in the loving work that you do? So really evaluating from kind of has to be from an unemotional standpoint, right? More of an objective standpoint. Well, and there, there's, there are others who maybe they were in your inner circle to start with that now feel like they get to jump to the front of the line because you have this long history of a relationship. And it's like, well, what do you mean you can't do a dream interpretation for my next door neighbor's brother, sister's cousin right now? And so there's, you know, those that would take advantage as well. And so those relationships need to be adjusted. Um, That's a really good point. That's sort of the other end of the spectrum going yeah, again, was. going back to boundaries. But yeah, that's a really, that's a really good point. And then also how your mother came around. If you're doing good work, and you're doing it with integrity out of love, and, you know, it's consistent, the work will speak for itself like it did for you. 100%. So how, how beautiful is that? That's so 100%. wonderful. So I'm looking to, uh, I'd love to wrap up our meeting uh, with a message that you might have for the listener at the time that they listen to this episode. So a timeless reading for the collective, for whoever listens, um, if it's meant to resonate for them. The thing that I feel really called to share, and this has been coming through so strongly over and over again in this period of time that we're in, is about trust. It's so much about trusting the universe, but it's trusting ourselves to trust the universe. We get signs and so many people say, oh, I saw this and I just thought, oh, and I saw this and I just thought, oh, and I think to myself, you're missing these signs that they're trying to show you. And so the thing I really hope that will resonate with people is trust the signs. You're not making it up. You're not, it's not your imagination. It's not wishful thinking. As we are raising the vibration of ourselves, of so many other people, of the planet, we're seeing this fracturing happening of the rising of the light and the rising of the dark, which is why we're seeing all of this this yelling, this noise is coming in so loudly, but we're seeing this quiet climbing and rising of the light at the same time. And so more people are really waking up to something more. And so as that is happening... Please don't dismiss 
the signs, the pennies, the birds, the butterflies, the coincidences of which there are no such thing as coincidence, that synchronicity, the universe is trying to get your attention. Let them. Just let them. Thank you so much for that wonderful message. Uh, I know it will resonate with so many. It resonates with me. So thank you so much. And I want to thank you so much, Sherry, for your time today, for being a guest on, on the show and for sharing your amazing, loving journey and story with us. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be included. And I'm so thrilled with what you're doing. And I'm just so excited to be part of it. Thank you so much. was another episode of a guided life podcast thank you so much for tuning in and until next time love and light always I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.